We're starting the book of Revelation today. Don't run for the exits. We have them locked. This is a... We're, we begin a very strange and wonderful journey. And I'm easing into it these first couple of weeks. Because I want to make sure we all understand where we are as we approach this book. Because this book is... And I'm, I'm saying... I'm holding this up as if it was the Revelation book, not everything else. This book took a very strange, tortured, hard path to get in the Bible. In fact, it was not accepted into the canon of Scripture. Hang on, it's driving me a little bit crazy there. I don't know who used my mic last week, but their ears are funny. Yeah, we got, we're good now. Uh, it was not accepted into the canon of Scripture until 397 at the uh, conference in Carthage, North Africa. Now that's late. In fact, it was the last book that was, uh, the, uh, when kids find out it's Revelation, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And when kids get upset, let's all make sure we don't look over at them. Come on. We want the mamas to feel comfortable here, right? And if God doesn't want that kid to have to suffer, so he pinches the kid and the kid screams and taken out, that's God's issue. Fair enough? It's not ours. All right. Even after 397, many Christians did not accept this as scripture. In the second century, most Christians rejected it, but not because they thought it was a bad book, but because what people were doing with it. They should start ringing some bells in our head. There was a group called the Montanist. They were not from Montana. This is a different Montanus than it was, but Montanist they held almost all the same doctrines as the wider church. But they focused on the book of Revelation and highlighted above other things gifts of prophecy and a very, very strict personal moral code. There are some similarities to modern-day charismatic Pentecostal movements, but they're not, they're not equivalent. But it's that idea of focusing, focusing. You, you, we all know Christians who live walking around going, to, we're in the last days now. We're in the last days now. Did you see we had a hurricane? We're in the last days now. Never had hurricanes before. Then there was a, oh, there was a bad election. Oh my, we're in the last days now. And all my life I've had people look at me and say, don't you think we're in the last days? And my response is no. And they're shocked. It's as if I denied Jesus. And they'll look at me and say, why not? And I say, we're not that special. This is the way the world works. And if you are absolutely certain Jesus is coming back today, he won't. Because he says he'll come back when nobody's looking. <laughs> that includes you. So let's just, in fact, let's not worry about the end of the world. Let's worry about the end of us. Let's make sure we have a good end. Fair enough? All right. The Montanists were so focused on this book that in reaction, the early church did not accept the book. They, the Montanists, by the way, were never called... I don't believe, heretics. They were certainly not kicked out of the church. But the church was nervous about all these prophetic pronouncements. Now, I, I have no problem with pro the gifts of prophecy and that people receive special words from the Lord. I believe it. I'm not one of them. I don't think. Um, they, that's, that's actually an ongoing conversation with a couple of people. They say, we think you've got it. And I'm going, well, I should know. Uh, regardless, I don't want to discount prophecy. What I'm saying is, we've got to always moderate it with the group. 
what does the group hear and see, and also filter it through Scripture. The Bible says to test the spirits to see if they are of God. Mont uh, the uh, Montanists were making a political movement out of Revelation, and you see, it, it, the book of Revelation is a dangerous mirror. Let me put it to you that way. You see what you want to see. Mirrors are very dangerous things anyway. When I look in the mirror, I don't see reality. Now, I know that because when I get a picture, I'm going, well, that doesn't look right. I see me every day in the mirror. I'm much younger, more vital, almost tiger-like. This, this wrinkled thing you are showing me, I don't know what filters you're using, but they should become relieved. You, you know what I'm talking about. Mirrors lie. Mirrors lie. And the book of Revelation very often becomes a dangerous mirror because you see what you want to see in it. You see what makes you afraid. You see what gives you meaning because it gives you drama. So let's be very careful. You see, this book was written to somebody else. Don't steal their book. It was written to them. It's walking up to a church. We're going to give you this wonderful book that unfolds so many things because you're going to go through horrible persecution with Domitian and especially I'm a Diocletian. And you're, oh, it's going to be awful. So I'm going to give you a book about what's going to happen 2,000 years after you're dead. And that will encourage you. No. This book was written to them. And we're going to get out of it a very important set of lessons for right now. But let's remember to whom it was written. By the way, in the 300s, a very powerful bishop named Gregory um, Nazianus declared it shouldn't be scripture for the very purpose of it is hard to understand, easy to misinterpret, and splinter groups formed around it. In the 300s, people don't change much, do they? We're always still people. Luther rejected it for most of his life. There is some evidence that at the end of his life, he had a change of heart. John Calvin wrote a commentary on every book of scripture except Revelation. And he never, as far as we can tell, taught from it. The Eastern Orthodox Church doesn't use it at all. Just had set it aside. It doesn't consider it evil. They just don't the, the, the official stance is it's not useful. Now, I think that's too far. The Roman Catholic Church, I got to say, I think that they've got a, an, an excellent view of it. They teach the book is written to every generation as a warning that any age could be the last age and that our allegiance and our soul must be ready to meet God. I think that's, I think that's very valid. The Coptic Orthodox Church. If you don't know the Coptic Church, I wish that you would, but they are going extinct. They are one of the oldest Christian groups on the planet. They are amazing and most likely started by Mark, uh, the same Mark that wrote down Peter's stuff in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, they lived in North Africa. But the Coptic Church holds it in very high esteem, but will not use it except in a very wonderful way. On bright Saturday, which is the Saturday before Easter, they, the church gathers and the entire book is read. 
with no comment. Now, I would actually like to be in that room, but be aware, if you do go to a Coptic church or an Eastern Orthodox church, there aren't pews. You're going to be standing through this. And to me, that's um, fascinating as well, and uh, the way that they use it. I could go on and on over the battle of how to view this book as scripture or not. All the way through the Protestant Reformation, it hadn't been settled. Luther, Cardinal Cateton, uh, Erasmus, all of them rejected it for being too obtuse and too strange. Luther said this, I can in no way detect that the Holy Spirit produced it. We are supposed to be blessed who keep what is written in this book, and yet no one knows what that is, to say nothing of keeping it. This is just the same as we did not have the book at all, and there are many far better books available for us to keep. Once again, I don't agree with Luther either, but you, we all understand he has somewhat of a point. If you've been around people that have taken Revelation and used it to make themselves important, have seminars on it, and to say, I figured out what it means. Well, you can see why Luther felt as he did. I've spent so much time about the suspicion that the great Christian leaders had over this book for one reason. Please read the book, but refuse to let your, what you see in the mirror, divide you from any other believer. Let's remember, if the way you are reading scripture divides you from other believers, you're reading it wrong. Because that's not the point of scripture. The book is here, and it is a strange book, and people have misused it for a long time, and, and will in the future. Still, I disagree with Luther. Hang on, there again. Ear change shape, it's all right. There is, there is something of God here. There is a veil being pulled aside here. And there is a very, very hard lesson in here that all of us need to hear, not just once, but repeatedly. Therefore, I'm very glad it's in our Bible. Because this, this teaches us, your allegiance can only be to Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. No divided allegiance. In our world, people will try to force you to say this or say that or stand on this side or stand on that side politically and to align yourself to the state in one way or the other. And the entire book of Revelation says, don't you dare. Our loyalty belongs to Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He is our King. He is the focus of our faith. So we approach the book cautiously, knowing that we are reading somebody else's mail. That's always very important. We're reading someone else's mail, and we have to ask who wrote it, when, to whom, and why. And as soon as we ask the questions, we're in trouble. Because I was always taught this was John the Apostle, and all the other apostles died a violent death, but Jesus uh, promised John that he wouldn't. I think that's correct. And then they'll go further, and they'll say, now, but John was banished to the island of Patmos to die there by the emperor because he didn't want him around. That's historically, no, it just didn't happen. Uh, besides, the John who's writing this book, he's being told by Christ that he will take this message to various places that aren't on the island. So a lot of the early ideas about this John 
we, we don't know which John it is. Nowhere does he say he's John the Apostle or make allu- uh, allusions that would make us believe that. He is John. He was on the island not to be punished. The scripture says he was on the island to receive this revelation. This is, if you want to go with John the Apostle, fine. I don't fight these fights. To me, the, these are peripheral matters. But whoever this John was, obeyed God and went to an island to receive a vision. And to me, that's really dramatic enough. That's pretty exciting. Most people, by the way, if you're reading scholars, most people will call him John of Patmos or John the Revelator uh, because we don't know what John he was. If I may interject a personal opinion here, I would love for you to read this book, but I have a suggestion. I want you to read it fast. We're not going to go through it fast up here. In fact, the first few Sundays, you're going to even be wondering, when do we, you know, but we have to get, we have to understand its context and its meaning and its purpose. The problem with reading scripture is that somebody divided it into chapters and verses. And so we read it in bits. And it's not supposed to be read in bits. There are now printed versions of the Bible in various um, versions that have no chapter or verse divisions. Get one. Oh my goodness, it'll change every reading you do in scripture. Because you no longer go, well, I'm going to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. No, you got to read the flow. you got to be in the context. And please remember, a text without a context is a pretext. You need the whole flow. And if you read this quickly, you will avoid our tendency to autopsy every piece of scripture. Because if you don't, you're going to get hung up. All right, we're opening it. We're getting good. We're getting started here. Which John was it? Stop it. Read. Okay. Um, then, ooh, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Well, who are they? Stop it. Just keep reading. But too many times we hit, oh, okay, now on this seal, it, it did this. What does that mean forever? At first, we'll get to there, but at first just read it. Think of it as a love letter. It's not a love letter. <laughs> Think of it as a love letter. When, if, if ever back in the day, kids, anybody under 40, sorry, we used to get letters written out in love. You could save those things. Use them later if necessary. But uh, they, they would write it out. And whenever you got it, what did you do? Say, okay, it says, dear Patrick. Now, not sure that they wrote my name as big as they did last time. No. You read the whole thing. And then you come back and you read bits of it. Then you come back and you read the whole thing again. You you absorb it that way you need to know how to read the letter and i've told this story before but it's illustrative i think i i would uh, we were courting at a great distance my wife and i uh and back then kids there was no internet there's no email and calling from where i was to colorado was incredibly expensive you had long distance and everybody's going Ooh. Uh, and there were times I spent half my weekly salary in phone bills. But I, I was very verbal in my writing, and I would send cards and do all this. And basically, get Cammie has always been more, she'll just show you love than tell it. And so I'd get back kind of like, yeah, ditto. And I'm like, She's watching, by the way. 
um, I might need a st place to stay. And then one day, one day here arrived, I believe it was in a coffee tin. And I was going, ooh, she's communicated. And I opened it up and it was cookies. There's my love language. They were oddly shaped. They were kind of amoebic in shape. Maybe a hint of paramecia in there. And I'm going, well, she doesn't have a cookie cutter, but, you know, good girl. She gave it a go. Ate the cookies. Called her later. Said, I got the cookies. She said, you got the cookies? I said, yes. She goes, and? I said, and they were quite lovely. She goes, and what else? I'm going, every guy in here knows. Uh, we walk into we, any conversation with a woman, we have to be prepared for a pop quiz that we didn't know was coming. And I said, I, what, what do you mean? She goes, did you put it together? I'm like, what? It was a puzzle. It's a cookie puzzle. I said, it didn't say. <laughs> and puzzles have a picture on the box. It didn't say, I just ate it. She goes, well, you, were supposed, you should have been able to figure that out. And I'm going, they, I didn't. We've, we've been married 41 years. She still won't tell me what the puzzle was. <laughs> nope. It's my responsibility to figure that sort of thing out. And that, I think, often happens whenever we read anybody else's mail, whether it's the book of Galatians or uh, whether it is the book of Revelation. Let's be very careful that we don't autopsy it. We see the big picture. We put it together and see that. So read it quickly and then go back and read it regular speed. And then you can start slow down and do the autopsy of the different passages. Here we go. Let's have a look at the book for a little bit. The first chapter answers our questions, but it also limits what we can say about this book. Revelation 1, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must, look at that word, soon, take place. I want to stop there. Hold that slide, please. Um, there are people that try to get around this by saying, yes, but the day to the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. Yes. Way to grab that verse out of a different book and slam it on top of this one. No, it's true about him. It's not true about us. If he's writing us about a warning about something which is going to happen soon and it's not going to happen for 2,000 years, he's misusing the word soon. Because nobody there would have been going, well, this could be forever. No, it's soon. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God. Remember what the word of God is? The Bible says Jesus is the word of God. And the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Twice, in the first three verses, it says, it's about to hit you. This is coming. All that you're going to catch is coming. I've got to get you prepared for what is coming. Don't play word games as soon and near. It was written to people alive at that time that needed to hear it. Don't steal it from them. Let's learn from them. To whom was it written? Let's go. John, 
to the seven churches in a province of Asia. Now, he will actually address seven churches. That doesn't mean there were only seven churches in Asia. These are representatives. When a, a Jewish person, and this book is so Jewish, if you don't know your Old Testament, you are really going to struggle just reading this alone. The Old Testament allusions, we will talk about that as we go through. They, they use the word seven to mean all of you. So while he's only naming seven churches, every church in Asia would have been going, okay, grace and peace to you from him who was, who is, who was, and who is to come. By the way, doesn't that take some pressure off? Jesus is still going to be Jesus. God's still going to be God. Politics will do what it does. Viruses are going to virus. But God will be God. And I, it just, I feel a burden lifted every time I read that. From the seven spirits before his throne, that means all of them, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins, I want you again to notice, are we saved? Yes, he has done it. We are free. Now, don't let people put chains around you. If you ally yourself to a political party, they put chains around you so you can't say or do these things because that's what they do. Don't do that. Don't be owned by any human or any human organization. Christ is our Lord and has made us to be a kingdom. We already have a kingdom. And priest, you're priest. To serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he's coming with a cloud. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. So the people that were there at the crucifixion are going to see what's about to happen in the book of Revelation. Notice how many times he says, this is immediate. All those people on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I think most of you know first letter of the alphabet, last letter of the Greek alphabet. Who says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come. We just sang that. Thank you, Mark. We sang that. Now you know where we get it. Of course, the clue was it's called the Revelation song. And who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, um, by the way, <coughs> they didn't have loud noise makers like we do, electronic stuff and speakers. So when it says like a trumpet, that, that's really big. And thunder, they'll use that as well. That's just, to them, that was the loudest possible. Which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. It was written to existing churches that existed in a place and in a time that were surrounded by real cultural issues, real political issues, and real danger. And these were made up of real people like you and I who are going to be afraid, who are going to wonder, is Jesus really the Son of God? 
in the early church, this became a crisis. Because as you've seen, if you've read your scripture, the early church thought Jesus was coming back just any, any moment. And in fact, Paul had to write the Thessalonians and say, don't quit your job. Because they were quitting their job thinking, well, why work? Kind of like that, that, whenever that big thing came about, oh, you know, he's coming back in 1988. Uh, and so you, you, you'd best be ready. And he didn't, if you didn't notice. And there were people quitting their jobs. And then people around Y2K, they were terrified. Oh, this has got to be in the Revelation as well. And they were actually doing that. They were having Revelation seminars using Y2K. Um, and and they, were give, they weren't paying their mortgage anymore because what's the point? Watch out. These are real people. And the people back then were disappointed that Jesus had not come back. We know because we have their letters and we have their sermons. In fact, it may surprise you to know that from the letters of early Christians to each other, if we were to lose all of our New Testaments, we could reconstruct them from their letters. They quoted scripture so much in their letters. Didn't make cookie puzzles, they wrote it. Just saying. But a big problem in the early church was, did we believe in the right God? Is he really coming back? And so, God has to say, you need to look up here and see, he is the Christ. He is the word of God. He will be back. Every eye shall see him. Bow to him, Lord of Lord, King of Kings. It's very dramatic. Well, next week, we're going to take a look at the culture that surrounded these people and why they lived lives in terror and began to doubt, is Christ the Christ? Is Jesus the Christ? But this week, I want you to notice what he was to them. Stars, lights. He said, these churches are like candles in the dark to me. They are stars, they are light, and each church has an angel. Did you see that? Each church has an angel. Have a look at it again. But this time, I'm going to ask all of us to stand. And the disciples of Christ, most of the disciples of Christ in the north are African-American churches. And we made great friends with them in our 10 years in Detroit. And one of my favorite things about worshiping with them was every time anyone started reading scripture, nobody had to say, everybody stood. I'm not asking us to make that a rule here by any stretch of the imagination. But what I am saying is, wow, that makes you notice what you're doing when everybody rises to hear the words. Bring your team back up, please. Revelation 1, 4 through 8 and 12 through 20. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. I'm going to ask you this time to cheat a little bit and ask that you think this was written to us too. Because I want you to, in one way, to know it is. What he says to them about the reality of Christ, he is saying to us. Grace and peace, wow. To him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits before his throne, 
and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Do you believe that, church? To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Do we believe this, church? Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen, church? And I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and a golden sash about his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. I keep thinking of C.S. Lewis's line, he is good, but he is not safe. We must remember to respect our God. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. Church, do not be afraid. Don't let the devil make you afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. You are a star. You are a light. As long as we keep our eyes in the right direction. Jesus Christ, who is, who was, and who is to come. And the whole church says,